hello everybody welcome back for another edition of out of bounds as always i'm your host spencer brown joining me we have dalton bishop how's it going doing all right we also have christian ernst what is going on y'all oh not a whole lot just ready for another week another exciting week we got Ball is coming back Thursday, so we thought it'd be, you know, fair. We open up the show with our MLB predictions, and we're not going to go super in-depth like we did with the NFL. We're not going to even go semi-in-depth like we were with uh, the NBA. We're just going to stick with, you know, the basics. Who we think is going to be in the LCS, who we think is going to be in the World Series, and who's going to win it. That's the only thing. That's our basic level MLB preview. Just to get out of the way... Say we talked about baseball and look back in six months and say, hey, we were idiots back then. Um, so we'll start. Let's just go to the AL side of things. On the AL, we have a lot of teams. Obviously, the defending World Series champion, the Houston Astros, looking to go back-to-back again. Dusty Baker, they return a lot of talent there. Um, and can anyone catch the Astros? I mean, it's going to be – Interesting. Obviously, the Yankees, you know, high spinners, they return Aaron Judge, the MVP from last year, adding Carlos Rodon um, to go along with Garrett Cole in the rotation there. But for me, my ALCS, I think we're going to get a surprise team. Last year's surprise team, really, the Seattle Mariners came really out of nowhere. First playoff appearance they had in 20 years since, you know, the miracle, the 01 Mariners that had, you know, winningest team in MLB history at the time. And, you know, they make it last year, and, you know, they, they may have bowed out early, but I think they were building on something. And they're going to use what they did last year of making the playoffs to try to go forward. And, I mean, sure, they won the wild card series and made the division series there. But I'm going to go say that they're going to make the ALCS. They're going to take that next step forward and make the ALCS. But I think that the Astros, they're just way too good. They won it all last year for a reason. And I think they're going to make it back. And again, they make the LCS every single year, it seems. I think they got into the World Series in the cards this year. Uh, Dawn, I'll go to you next. Your ALCS prediction for 2023. Um, my ALCS prediction for 2023 is going to be the Guardians and the Mariners. Um, I'm not going with. The favorites of this of this um, conference, um, but gonna go with two teams who gained a lot of uh, traction last year and could potentially take that next step. And who do you have winning that series? I have the Mariners winning this series. All right, Mariners over Guardians. Mariners never been to the World Series, so would be fascinating to see that. Christian, how do you see the American League side of things shaping out this year? I think it's going to be very interesting. There's a lot of, you know, hot topic with, you know, the New York Yankees. Uh, Astros all, you know, have kind of owned the AL in many years. Uh, They've always been a consistent, uh, you know, top four team in the AL. So I am going to pick the Astros to be in the ALCS, but I'm going to have an interesting bid. I think this team could really surprise a lot of teams. I think the Tampa Bay Rays are going to go back into the ALCS. They've had some very good years 
They haven't really reached that mountaintop just yet. They were very close in uh, 2020, but they really haven't reached that peak just yet. But I think Tampa Bay could definitely surprise a lot of people. That division's going to be very tough. It's the best division in baseball with the Yankees, upcoming Blue Jays. You know, Boston, you can never really count them out. And Baltimore had a better year than a lot of people think. So that's going to be a very tough division. I think Tampa Bay is going to shock the world and get into the ALCS. But in the end, I do think Houston is going to beat them. And Houston will go into the World Series in 2023. All right. Now shipping gears to the National League side of things. Last year we had a Cinderella-like run from the Philadelphia Phillies. Now they did recently lose Reese Hopkins for the year. But Bryce Harper, he's still on the team. So they got a lot of talent still. Okay, last year you had a really wild NL playoff because you had San Diego, who's the five seed, taking on Philadelphia, who's the six seed, and Philadelphia gets it done. Um, I'm going to go with a couple favorites, but not like the favorite. Like the Dodgers have been the dominant force in the NL for the last, you know, half decade, even a decade. We can go back there, constantly being the one seed. They did go World Series win a few years ago. Um, but I will go with the team that has had recent success in the playoffs, the Atlanta Braves. I think they'll be in the NLCS. And then I'm going to go with the Mets. The Mets, they snuck in last year. They won the division. They got the four seed. Um, and they won 100 games last year. There was a lot. Uh, so they did not win the division, excuse me. They were tied with Atlanta. They got the wild card because they lost the head-to-head by a game to Atlanta. Um, but they won 100 games last year, the Mets. So, yeah, they were having all NL East uh, championship series. We will have the Braves and the Mets squaring off there. And for me, I think the winner will be the Braves. I think they're going to make it back to the World Series, trying to make it two out of three years after winning in 21, their second NL pennant. So I think we will get the Atlanta Braves defeating the New York Mets, who, you know, they spent big on, you know, Max Verlander, or Alex, excuse me, Justin Verlander. They have Max Scherzer there. Um, but Verlander coming over from the World Series champion Houston Astros. Um, so I think that the Mets, you know, they got the pitching, but I do think they still ultimately fell to the Braves in the NLCS. To Dalton we go. How do you see the NL side of things shaking out? I have the Padres and the Mets um, in the NLCS, and I have got the Padres winning uh, that series and making it to the World Series. All right, Padres, a year after losing 4-1 in the CS. Uh, Dolan thinks they make it over the hump this year and get it done to the World Series. They go. Christian, how do you see the NL side of things going down? My picks are kind of interesting. I do have the Atlanta Braves going into it. Uh, I think Atlanta is, you know, kind of a red hot team. They, they're, you know, they had a really good offseason this year. But I think an interesting challenger, it's going to come out of the NL Central. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am picking the Cincinnati Reds. Absolutely not. That is a joke. Cincinnati is not going to do a daggone thing this year. They might have the worst record in baseball this year. They, they probably will. Them and, the Nationals, being serious, them and the Nationals are going to have a competition to who's the worst in the NL. But I am serious about NL Central uh, representative, and I think the St. Louis Cardinals can make a run for it. Uh, I think St. Louis is always one of those teams that's you know kind of quiet and you know kind of a little sliverly snake and. No one's, like, paying attention to them, but I think they can strike at the right time. So I'm going to pick St. Louis taking on the Braves. I think the Braves are going to meet the Houston Astros in the World Series this year. 
All right. So Christian and I have identical World Series of Braves and Astros here. Dawn went a little bit Mariners, Padres. So Dawn, I'll go to you since you got a different uh, result than us. How, how do you see your World Series shaping out this year? Yeah. Um, I am stupid. And I picked the Padres to actually get over the hump. So I take back what I okay. said. Um, that's that's actually not what I wrote down. Like, literally, it's not what I wrote down. I just ignored what I wrote down or typed <laughs> down. Um, it's my apologies. It is actually the Mets that I had winning, which that's probably not a very good option either. So I don't think there should be any team that comes out of the NL. Like, no, let's just let's just give the A. Let's just give let's the World Series the to the season. AL team. Let's just cancel the season for Dalton. No, you can keep the regular season. I'm just talking about the World Series. Oh. It will be postponed. I have the Mets beating the Mariners in the World Series um, and reclaiming that glory that little brother rarely does. All right. For me, I'll start off with my World Series prediction. I have Braves-Astros the last, I guess, three World Series because no, the Astros did not win 20. Two, the last two World Series winners, the Astros obviously have a lot more. Um, rematch from a few years ago. And I think the Braves, they get it done again. I just like they locked up basically the entire core there with, you know, Acuna, Austin Riley, um, Dansby Swanson. They got a lot of great players. Um, Sean Murphy from the Athletics. Yeah, they got, they just locked up everybody on their roster, and I, I think they're going to go back and win it all for the second time in three years. So give me the Atlanta Braves as the World Series champions in 2023. Dole, or Christian, excuse me, how do you see the World Series going down this year? So, like you mentioned earlier, we have the exact same pick between the Braves and the Astros. I'm going to go opposite. I think Houston can win this. Um, Houston has always played really well. Towards the end of the year, in August, September, that's when they play their best baseball. And I don't think it's going to be any different this year. Houston in the postseason is a madman. Uh, when they had the cheating scandals and when they haven't, they've been a really good, consistent team. So I got the Astros winning the World Series. Yeah. I did put, uh, I misspoke. I said Dansby Swanson. I forgot he signed with the Cubs in the offseason. But nonetheless, they did lock up a lot of key pieces from their World Series. Uh, team a few years ago, and again, I just think they're super deep that yeah. they're going to make it and they're going to win the World Series this year. So, Christian, I disagree on that. Uh, Dog going completely different, which is fine. We'll look back on this, and you know, we're probably not none of us are right, and that's just you know the nature of the beast here. Um, but that's good. That was our World Series MLB 2023 season preview here. I know it was a very short preview. Um, that's kind of all we. Uh, really knew much to, you know, have a discussion on. We'll shift gears to a sport we do know a lot about, and that's the NFL, with some breaking news that happened just the other day. Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, um, who, you know, he was offered the franchise tag. He is notoriously, if you want to look at it that way, demanded, hey, I want a fully guaranteed contract. I want a contract that, you know, is market value. You have Deshaun Watson contract last year that just reset the market and was an albatross and you know, almost the outlier of sorts. And Lamar's like, no, I want that contract or like something similar to that, fully guaranteed. Uh, I think I'm worth them, former MVP, etc. 
And then Lamar, of his own um, doing, he tweeted out that, hey, just want to clear the air on things, and says that on March 2nd, he, excuse me, demanded a trade from Baltimore. That was three days before um, the franchise tag was applied to him, just about a week or so before, uh, or five days, excuse me, March 7th when the franchise tag was applied. And then, uh, you know, he just let it sit there, and he apparently had requested a trade five days before that. So we'll see which side budges. Obviously, if Lamar is to be traded, he would have to sign the franchise tag initially just so they can do a tagging trade because he is currently, I guess, not under contract with anybody, but the Ravens control the rights because they gave him the franchise tag option. Of course, teams can do an offer sheet there, which means it would give up two first-round picks if Baltimore just lets him leave there. Um, so it's going to be an interesting saga to see how it plays out. Obviously, you have um, – I mean, he's only 26 years old. Like, it's surprising the amount of teams I've seen come out and, like, yeah, we're just not interested in Lamar Jackson win. Just a year ago, you had all these teams clamoring for Deshaun Watson, who was sat out the entire year previously – has had a couple ACL injuries before. He also was going to be suspended because he was facing 24 sexual assault allegations or misconduct allegations against him. And then you got Lamar, who has a squeaky clean image, basically. And the teams are like, yeah, we're not interested in him. And I think it's just teams being cheap. That's just my um, opinion on that. I'll just clarify that. So we'll see how the, uh, the saga plays out going forward, but Again, Lamar Jackson has requested a trade, would be the youngest former MVP to be traded if it happens. And obviously, we all want to see how this concludes because they will shift an entire franchise. I don't think Baltimore, if they part with Lamar, they'd be in any sort of good circumstances for next season. Uh, but I'll go to Christian next because I know you you love the NFL. You love the offseason specifically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, your thoughts, reaction, you saw the news yesterday. Lamar Jackson had requested a trade from Baltimore. Uh, this is shocking. This is sad, honestly, on Baltimore's part. Like, Lamar Jackson is one of the top quarterbacks in in our game. And he doesn't get as much love as Mahomes or Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow or what have you. And many people do believe that Lamar Jackson is very athletic but a lot of teams want to get to that Super Bowl. They want to continue their season in mid-January and February. And Lamar Jackson just does not have that playoff track record, track record, excuse me, that many other teams have, that many other quarterbacks have, excuse me. I still think Lamar Jackson has done the most he can. When they play Tennessee, they played King Henry, who that's what Tennessee had. Baltimore, they don't have a lot of weapons for Lamar. When they had Hollywood Brown, they traded him away. Who's not to say that Mark Andrews could have been traded away to another team and Lamar Jackson has to do on his own? So Baltimore, to me, failed Lamar in not wanting to build a good enough offensive line around him, not giving him – not to say in a deep receiving core, but at least a receiver like Hollywood Brown to help Lamar uh, in the passing game. And Lamar has faced injuries several times before last year and in years prior. 
So people say he's injury prone, but he's on the field more than people ex- that people would admit. So, and then as well, the Lamar Jackson agent issue. He does not have an agent. He wants the money that's going that a team wants to buy. And how much money does that mean? Yes, like you mentioned, the Sean Watson reset the entire market and all the things you mentioned, Spencer, his allegations that were against him, not playing an entire year for, you know, all this stuff and fully guaranteed contract. And Cleveland, people are saying, like, that's Cleveland because they made the mistake of giving such, you know, such quarterback all this money where a quarterback like Lamar is going to see that and is like, okay, that's what I want. So there's a lot of teams that are going to hold on to that purse and not want to give Lamar Jackson money because they just can't they can't afford it. They have to pay this defensive lineman or have to pay pay this cornerback, pay this tackle, pay this running back, whatever have you, or even just pay off debt. You know, whatever is the issue, they can't you know they can't handcuff themselves into Lamar Jackson when he has not proved to be the best quarterback on the field that they play, you know, a lot of the teams in the AFC. So I, I full, full on disagree that some of these teams are just not going to trade them. Like Washington, Lamar Jackson would absolutely help you. Um, I understand why Miami's not going after him. Atlanta. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like you're not interested you, you, you like Desmond Ritter better? Okay, go ahead. Uh, the Colts. Now, the Colts have this track record that isn't really doing that much where they're trading a lot of picks to get Carson Wentz. Bust. A lot of picks to get Matt Ryan. Bust. Do they spend a lot of picks for Mark Jackson, even though he's a way more athletic quarterback and he's proven he, you know, he's a very good quarterback in the regular season in a you know hit-and-miss division? I think the Colts would be the automatic favorite. But again, in the playoffs, you want to advance. Lamar Jackson is one in two, I believe. Why? I don't have the stats in front of me, but he hasn't been that far. So it, it stinks for Lamar because he's not going to get the money he wants. And no team is willing to pay that price to, uh, you know, to get Lamar Jackson, who has not been the proven quarterback after December and the first week of January. I mean, the Colts, you know, they could trade two first-round picks. They really like – they're really holding on to that fourth overall pick. Do they want to go after a guy like Will Levis? Do they go after a guy who falls and they could develop him, like a Hendon Hooker or Anthony Richardson? In my opinion, in the Colts situation – I would think about the Lamar Jackson. C.J. Stroud, probably going to Carolina. Bryce Young, probably going to be the next quarterback off the board, whether he's in Houston or another team trades up. So you got two quarterbacks, the best two quarterbacks off the board immediately. You got a project in Will. You got a project in Anthony. You already got a proven guy in Lamar Jackson enough, proven enough to get into the postseason, which is the ultimate goal, I feel like besides the Super Bowl. So I think the Colts should look into him more, but you never know. I feel like he's going 
the trade will go down in the next week or two. Our luck, it's going to happen tomorrow. So, uh, I still think Lamar definitely is a better quarterback than people are assuming he is. But at the end of the day, Lamar is going to get paid some money. He's going to play football next year. We'll just find out where. Yep. Uh, Dolan, I'll go to you next. Your thoughts on Lamar Jackson requesting a trade from the Baltimore Ravens? Um, you know, that was – Christian, that was really good, actually. Like, I don't even – like, I, I shouldn't even have to go now because you guys have pretty much covered everything. Um, thoughts? My initial thoughts, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really an expert on these things, but I'll give my opinion. And my opinion is that this probably should have happened a while ago. Because since when is Baltimore going to give a guy who has yet to play a full season his money? When is Baltimore going to pay anybody that isn't a defensive player? This should have happened a while ago. Uh, if I was in his position, I would have requested it a while ago when I was out and sitting on the bench watching Tyler Huntley play against the Bengals in January. That's – I mean, let's be honest about this. Lamar is a great player. He's a great player. And that he's missed – Nine games over the course of five seasons. He's 45 and 16 as a QB. Um, But some people don't believe that QB wins is is an actual stat. Um, And Lamar has yet to play an entire season. 2019, he played 15 games. 2020, he played 15 games. 2021, he played 12 games. 2022, he played 12 games. 2018, out of the 16 games, he started seven. In the playoffs, he's one and three in the playoffs. He has a 55% completion percentage and thrown three touchdowns to five interceptions. I guarantee you the general managers are looking at the statistics and do not believe that the return on investment is going to be good. I'm venturing to say that that is what they're thinking, which is why he hasn't gotten his money. Now that being said, I will also agree that the Deshaun Watson contract has screwed up the market. I will agree there. That was huge. Massive props to Deshaun Watson's agent for getting that done because that is that is insane. Deshaun, albeit before all that shady stuff went down, was actually a good quarterback. And so I would have to assume that he got that contract because he was actually – A, on the field, and B, putting up numbers. Um, In the playoffs, not great. Played Buffalo and Kansas City in the same year, 2019. That was his last playoff appearance. 
lost to Kansas City. It was the year they were up by 20 or 30 and then lost. Um, and then in 2018, they lost to Indy. Um, but yeah, like I, I just think, you know, this this is just not good for Lamar. And I believe that just maybe there would have been a sliver of hope if certain things would have happened. Like, Lamar, he doesn't, like, if he, so he asks for a trade. He requests for a trade, demands a trade, whatever, right? I mean, there's a certain thing called leverage. And the Ravens obviously didn't believe for the past almost month that Lamar has not had any leverage in these negotiations. Okay, when you negotiate for yourself, I think there's a certain kind of aspect where, like, you know, you can only go so far, right? You can only go so far. Um, and my thoughts are that maybe if there would have been some sort of representation that was not family, um, which if you want my humble opinion, I think that having family represent you is it tells you about who you are as a person. And I think that's good, but I think in terms of negotiating on upon your behalf, dealing with millions and millions of dollars, you probably need a professional probably. And now I'm ready to hear the rebuttal about, Oh, NFL players who don't have agents get paid. Okay. I want you to name me a quarterback who has represented himself and gotten paid millions and millions of dollars of guaranteed money. I'll wait. The players who represent themselves, they are not quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are the most important position on the field and get paid the most. Just looking, I'm not even, I'm not even that educated be in, in like in these negotiations at all and just looking at his statistics I can understand I completely understand why the Ravens won't give him the money I said it before and I'll say it again like I completely understand it I get it that being said I think Lamar should get some compensation like I he's played all that he can play for he played out all of his contracts and so it's time it is time Lamar needs to get his money, whether that's uh, a two-year deal, a three-year deal, some sort, excuse me, some sort of guaranteed compensation is in order, but I just don't think that it's going to be Deshaun Watson money because of the market now. Like, it's just... I just don't think that they're going to pay that much money. I just really don't. Someone someone might bite on it, though. I just don't think the Ravens are. It's not – they're more likely to spend guaranteed money on defensive players. Let's be honest here. Okay, they traded for Roquan Smith halfway through the season. I thought their linebacker core was fine. They was like, nope, we need another defensive player. But yet, we won't go out and, and get good wide receivers for our quarterback. 
That's the logic. That is the logic. So I know that we were discussing this the other day as a as a trio in our in our little group chat. And you know, like I can totally understand where you guys are coming from, but it's also on the other side of things, like Deshaun wouldn't have gotten all that guaranteed money if he wouldn't if he wouldn't done the done like the negotiation himself. He would have had no leverage. He would have been like, "I've got 24 assault cases on me right now, or assault accusations, but I'm going to go in there and I'm going to put my best foot forward and come out with no money." But yet, his representation went in there and did their thing, and guess what? They Got him the money. And now Lamar is asking for a trade because the Baltimore Ravens won't do the same thing. So this is just a little bit too late. Like, I think it probably should happen a while ago. And I'm glad that it happened, actually. Like, I hope Lamar gets traded to a different team and gets his cash. Because, honestly, for a guy who hasn't played a complete season, he needs to get his money eventually because – like how's like there's nothing like I guess I'm confused because statistics are telling me that he deserves his money but he can't stay healthy and by healthy I mean I mean we're talking about quarterbacks who play the entire season all the games that's kind of the whole point and he was sitting on the sidelines watching Tyler Hundley play in the playoff game. Like, I don't know. I, the, st- the stats don't lie. They don't lie to me. The facts don't lie. Um, this is a very opinionated piece, so I sound like an idiot. But um, I love facts. Uh, and I, I realize that this is a very opinionated show. And we keep it opinionated, but every now and then I like to throw in some little factoids and statistics that actually are true. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm just going in circles right now. Um, yeah, so if you want my basically to s- summarize, you know, a little bit too late to ask for a trade. I felt like it should have happened a while ago. Lamar deserves deserves his money, maybe not as much as Deshaun Watson, but you know, a good amount of compensation considering that he's been to the playoffs at least more than two times, at least like a few times. Um, and, you know, the statistics, the record, everything speaks for itself. When he's actually been on the field, he's been quite productive in the playoffs, not exactly quite productive. Um, but, you know, like regular season wise, it shows he probably he, he deserves some cash. Absolutely. All right. On to our next uh, notes on the agenda. We'll throw it to Christian in the NFL draft, just about a month away. And uh, so each week leading up to the draft, we'll have Christian break down a different um, a couple of divisions each week and preview the draft. So I'll just stop talking, throw it to you, Christian, and let you just take it away now with your draft preview. So the draft is coming up. It's one of my favorite times of the year. It is about five weeks away, coming up this Thursday on the uh, 30th. So I am very excited. I know I don't think a lot of people are 
as excited of the NFL draft and combine as much as me. People love the regular season. People love, you know, opening day of MLB. People love the all-star game in the NBA. To me, off-season baby in the NFL. That's just my thing. So what I'm going to do, like Spencer alluded to, I'm just going to go two divisions at a time so we're not, you know, have a super long segment. So I'm just going to break down the AFC and NFC North and team needs of where I think they could go and where I think they should go. So let's start off with everybody's favorite division, the AFC North. We've been talking about two of the quarterbacks from there, so we're going to talk to them now. So AFC North, my first thing I'm going to talk about is the Cleveland Browns. Now Cleveland does not have a first-round pick. They traded a lot of their first and second-round picks to get the Sean Watson to the Houston Texans, I almost said Astros, don't know why, Houston Texans. So they have a third, third-round pick. So they're not going to get prime players, but they need defensive line help. I think a guy that's going to climb up the board, a lot of people did not like him before the combine. They may still not like him now, but Jalen Redmond, I loved this dude. He is very athletic for a defensive tackle. And he can definitely, you know, help this team. He can help him interior defensive line. He can help him on the edge. So I think Jalen is a nice pick there. Third-round picks, you're not really saying you are our guy, but you're a rotational guy, and I think Jalen could definitely do that. They also need safety help. They need wide receiver help. You know, Deshaun Watson's actually going to play in the beginning of the season. So we shall see what Deshaun Watson, Cleveland Browns do. Now that Deshaun is fully there and going to be leading his team, it will be very interesting to see Cleveland. So Baltimore, they only have five picks in this entire draft if they do not trade. All within the 22-23 range, but they do have a first-round pick. So where do they go? Now, quarterback obviously is a question. We don't know if they're going to possibly trade up, trade off five picks to get a quarterback in this class. I don't think they would. I think they need better help at wide receiver and possibly even in the secondary. So I think like last year where there was just wide receivers and everybody trade up for a wide receiver, this class is a lot more deep than just, you know, your sliver five guys that were drafted in the first round. So I think a guy they can pick up, who's going to be in that conversation. I think Zay Flowers would really be nice in Baltimore. Very, you know, very close to home. He went to Boston College. So Zay Flowers can already kind of fit in that Northeastern vibe, you know, just go a couple states over. And then he can really take the top off the defenses. He did that against Louisville. I watched him do it. Uh, And he did really well in Boston. He was the only bright spot on the team for a very lackluster season. I think Zay Flowers could definitely be a first-round draft choice. And to me, it's a logical choice. You want to have that speedy receiver to really knock off some of these tough secondaries and tough defenses across the AFC North. I think Zay Flowers would be a nice choice. So now going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Where are they going to go? Now, they had the 29th overall pick. A couple years ago, they had the first. Now they are right there on the tail end of the draft. So do they need offensive line? Not as major, right? Offensive line is not the key need that they 
need to desperately pick up. But offensive line wouldn't actually matter or wouldn't actually, you know, hurt them as much. So I think what they're going to do is go best available at this choice. You know, a better player that can maybe fall off the board like a lot of players do in the NFL. You know, really good players we think are going to be these top guys all of a sudden just drop like a flop. But I think if they go offensive line, they're going to go one of the better offensive linemen. They're not going, you know, offensive line is not going to go off where everybody's going to go offensive line after quarterback. So I think Broderick Jones out of Georgia, big dude. He's one of the top tackles overall. A lot of people say he's number one in front of Peter Skorzynski uh, and Paris Johnson Jr. And so Broderick Jones, I think, could be a really nice pickup here into the first round, helping out that offensive line. Because even though it improved, it wasn't the most improved that we all thought it was going to be. And then the last team in this division, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, do they need a lot. Uh, they have their quarterback of the future. Kenny Pickett looks really good. They have their wide receiver, number one, who could be a dominant player in George Pickens. But they are going to hate need some help on that defense. Defense has always been the strength of that team, and it wasn't very good this year. So Pittsburgh, going to their draft choices, they do have a first-round pick, 17 overall. So they have an option to go after some really nice secondary players. And I think a really nice player they're going to go after, you know, let's try and get kind of a in-state or around state in Pennsylvania. Let's get Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. They went to Pittsburgh to get their quarterback. They could go downtown to get Penn State's Joey Porter Jr., and I think that would be a really nice move. I think he's the best corner in the class after watching this combine. Christian Gonzalez is very good. Devon Witherspoon is very good. I like Jordy's athleticism. I think he, you know, he's a very good man-to-man cover, and I think he's going to be a really nice corner for Pittsburgh, who secondary-wise, I mean, Jamar Chase did whatever he wants. T. Higgins did whatever he wants. If they don't help that secondary, Zay Flowers could do whatever he wants. So I think Pittsburgh should go after cornerback Joey Porter Jr. So we talked about the AFC North. Let's talk about the NFC North, my favorite division. Um, and it's not for that because I know Green Bay is going to be very bad in it next season if this Aaron Rodgers stuff ever unfolds. So where do I think Green Bay is going to go? Now that we traded Aaron Rodgers, let's focus on offense. Why don't we? I think Green Bay is going to go after a wide receiver. That's just what I believe. 15th overall pick. You know, I thought, you know, beginning of the season, they were going to be in the top 10, which I'm like, of course, we're going to be in the top 10 because we think. But 15th overall pick, slot dab in the middle of the draft. Where is Green Bay going to go? They're going to go after wide receiver too, right? So they're going to pick before Baltimore, who is going to need a wide receiver. So I think a pick that's going to be a little shocking, especially for the player, warm, cozy, Southern California, USC player Jordan Addison, you're going to play in the cold, frigid in Green Bay. You're going to play 
and the frozen tundra. I think Jordan Addison is a really good pickup here. Quentin Johnson's going to be there. Jackson Smith Najaba is going to be up there. Jay and Hyatt, Josh Downs, they're all going to be there. I think Jordan Addison is going to be the second, maybe third wide receiver off the board at this time. I think Green Bay is just going to go wide receiver because now the focus is on Jordan Love. And they never helped Aaron. They're going to need a lot of help to for Jordan Love to succeed. So that's where I think they're going to go in Jordan Addison. So the next team is Chicago Bears. They pick a lot earlier than most teams that actually kind of deserve their pick. Ninth overall. So what does Chicago need besides everything? I think Chicago is going to go their best defensive line available. I think they are going to pick up Jalen Carter. Now here's why. Obviously, the whole issues with the driving, the uh, DUI driving and the racing of another Georgia player uh, who got into the wreck and passed away, that whole issue is going to bring Jalen Carter's status down. I think it's going to be a blessing in disguise, honestly. Chicago is a growing team. They are really helping their offense. They're really helping their offense, getting wide receivers for Justin Fields. They're going to build, you know, they built up the offensive line just a tad bit in free agency. So offensive line is going to be the second note of their draft focus. But I think they're going to get the best player available. And I think some of the best players, not, you know, not a quarterback wise, besides Will Anderson, I think they're going to go after Jalen Carter ninth overall. I think that'd be a really good move for them. And if Jalen falls out of the top 15, even the first round, I wouldn't be shocked. But he's not going to be up there anymore because of these issues. I think Chicago is going to bring him in. Now, for the first team to pick in the NFL, it is going to be the Detroit Lions. Detroit is going to have a field day here. I think they have done real nice in free agency. They're going to do real nice in draft. They are proven to be a little scary team in the NFL. So, I think they're going to go. They're obviously going to go defense, right? Their offense looks really good. They have their quarterback for now in Jared Goff. I think they're also going to go secondary. Now, like, you know, they pick before the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, so they are going to go secondary. But they're going to go after a guy I think they really like. And the guy that's everyone's popping around is Devon Witherspoon. And a lot of teams have Devon going over to Detroit and really helping them out there. Last couple of years, they picked up secondary players and they haven't really fold out well. De- Devin could be in the same fold. I don't know, Devon, Devin, I can't pronounce his first name. But Witherspoon is going to go to Detroit. In a lot of people's eyes, he is the best cornerback. I think he is second only behind Joey Porter, but, you know, each what they may, they know, you know, these scouts, these guys who watch college football for a living, they know more than me. And I think Witherspoon is the second best, but they obviously see him as a better cornerback in this class. And I think Devin is going to go to Detroit. Now the last team for this uh, episode of the draft preview is the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I think Minnesota is going to tee off a little bit. Detroit is coming up. Minnesota, they had a really easy schedule, and they got lucky in most of their games. You know, they won 
12 plus games, but you saw the margin of victory, they were sometimes in the negatives, right? There's a lot of good games that they had, and there's a lot of games they were absolute dog crap in. And they got extremely lucky with the game against the Colts, game against the Giants, the first, excuse me, the first game. So Minnesota is going to kind of fall off a bit, but they still have a first round pick, 24th overall. Now, a lot of people think they need as well cornerback, wide receiver help, you know, defensive line help. And I think that's where Minnesota should go. So with this class, you obviously your top guys are going to be Tyree Wilson. It's going to be Miles Murphy. It's going to be these outside linebackers like Will Anderson and Nolan Smith, who Nolan is a very fast man. But I think where they should go is they need help since Kendricks is no longer there. So I think a guy who could fall off a little bit but could be available for pick 24, I'd really like to see it from just, you know, a standpoint of I know how gruesome and blitz-heavy they are. Nolan Smith coming off the edge from Georgia, he could be a vicious dude. So I think Nolan Smith would be a really nice pickup for Minnesota at 24 and could really help their team immediately. Will Anderson obviously is going to go soon. A lot of people like Keon White, I think he fell off a little bit at the combine. Andre Carter um, had a lot of hype on him. I had a lot of hype on him. Did not show up uh, to the level he should have when he was at the combine. He only did several drills. He didn't do much. But that really hurt his uh, drop stock. But Nolan Smith, he only ran his 40, and the film can speak for him there. His 40 was like a 4-4. He was absolutely lightning quick. So no one is definitely going to be in that conversation of a first-round outside linebacker draft choice. I think Minnesota is going to do that. So that is my preview of the AFC North and NFC North, where I think they're going to go. Uh, We are going to talk about the NFC South and AFC South next week. So stay tuned for that. Man, it's my favorite time of the year. I absolutely love this conversation. Um... I'm weird. I know that. Like, everybody likes to watch football. I like to just study it. I love just studying players. Can this guy be good? Was it was this a really good play or just poor blocking? Was this a really good throw or just terrible coverage? What have you. I love studying. I love watching this. So I cannot wait for April, the end of April. I think April 27th, if I'm, if I'm wrong, tell me. But April 27th, 28th, round in, NFL draft, favorite time of the year. All right. Shifting ge- – great stuff there, as always, Christian. Uh, shifting gears to the NBA, uh, we have two players um, that have been decided – either you know, the team or the player, they are going to be sitting out the rest of the year. Uh, that is Ben Simmons of the Brooklyn Nets, who has been battling some back injuries and other injuries. And, again, it just seems like Ben Simmons – He's so unreliable, and I get, you know, part of it is, you know, he had mental health issues that forced him to miss a year in Philly, but he's also just never available. So I don't know what Brooklyn's going to do going forward, but Ben Simmons, uh, again, this time legitimately he's had back injuries uh, for a while. He had, like, back spasms. So he has not played uh, for a while, and he's going to be out the rest of the year. And then Damian Lillard over on the Trailblazer side of things, 
Uh, it's just frankly, you know, the two teams, the two sides come together. Uh, Brooklyn or Portland, excuse me. They're just going nowhere this season. There's only six or seven games left in the year. Uh, the team's out of playoff contention. There's not really any hope for them this year. So they're just kind of shutting Damian Lillard down the rest of the year, uh, which I think is good on both sides there. You keep him healthy. And even though he's not going to – like the team's not going anywhere, so there's no sense in having a guy like him play the rest of the year when you're – I mean, again, there's I think mathematically still a chance, but it doesn't appear likely. And, again – Again, I wish I could play every game like if I was in their shoes, but I understand, especially when Dame's the franchise guy and he's been adamant that he wants to stay in Portland his whole career. So I could see why they'd shut him down the rest of the year, let him rehab if he's been nursing any injuries lately. Um, so there's that. Those two guys will not play again the rest of this year. I mean, Ben Simmons, like I said, been out for a while. And then Portland going nowhere. Dolan, I'll go to you next. Anything you want to add? Brooklyn Nets shutting down Ben Simmons or Portland shutting down Damian Lillard for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I don't think it's a big shocker. Um, I think you know we all we all we all could have seen it coming. Um, I don't know, man. I guess it's just one of those things where like, like, is this really happening? Like, is this really happening? Like, if you're a fan of these teams and you're just watching these guys not want to play, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I figure, you know, maybe if they, you know, mental health is, is, a, is an actual thing I understand. But, you know, why would you try to come back if you realize that there's something that's going on? That whole part's kind of confusing to me. You just got to take it to just go take some time away. You'll have the sport when you come back. Um, but, you know, these this news that you mentioned, Spence, not shocking. All right. Chris, anything you want to add? On Damian Lillard or Ben Simmons being ruled out the rest of the year? Uh, it stinks for Brooklyn because, you know, like it or not, Ben is the, the best player remaining in Brooklyn at this point. Um, it's not shocking that Ben Simmons is out, you know, because of his mental health issues off the court. And, you know, he has not really left, lived up to be uh, a great player like he, people thought he was coming out of LSU uh, several years ago. But uh, for Dame, I know it's tough for him. You know, team's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. I know he's a very loyal person, and you can understand that from his standpoint. But, you know, it, it's it would be not the smartest idea for Portland to keep him to try and play and – you know, they're not going to be getting the play in and Brooklyn is in follow, you know, just straight fall mode. They're not doing anything. They're going to be in the play in. Um, but I don't know if they're going to do really that well. So it's things for Brooklyn, but it's not shocking with Ben Simmons. And obviously Portland is trying to save Dame's legs because Portland is absolute garbage. Um, it stinks, but not shocking in the standpoint of why they're doing this. Brooklyn's in free fall mode. 
Portland's not going anywhere ever. So just trying to save Dane more time so we can break records in Portland and maybe be of use somewhere if he decides, hey, I love you, Portland. I got to retire with it. All right, next up, a brief standings update with a little over or a little under two weeks to go in the regular season uh, here. Starting with, again, last time we recorded about two weeks ago, no team had clinched a playoff spot at the time of the recording. But then like an hour or two after we recorded, the Milwaukee Bucks officially clinched a playoff spot. Uh, they won the division, which, again, in NBA divisions mean literally nothing anymore. Uh, but I guess, you know, congrats. Milwaukee has clinched the division. Uh, you got the Celtics just two and a half games back after a surprising loss today by the Celtics to the Washington Wizards, who they're at the very, they're on the outside of the play and looking in with an outside chance of that. Uh, with Boston Milwaukee playing uh, later this week, that game, you know, could have potentially had seeding implications. And it, it still might with the tiebreaker. Should Milwaukee drop a few games down the stretch, but uh, Boston might have to run the table in that scenario. And you have Philadelphia just two and a half games out there. They're also locked into a playoff spot, at the very least, uh, top six spot. Cleveland, for the first time since 1998, the Cavaliers will take the court in the playoffs without one LeBron James on their roster. Uh, again, that just shows you LeBron was drafted in 03, so five years they missed the playoffs. A few years in LeBron's time. LeBron leaves for four years. They never make the playoffs when he's in Miami. Since he's been in L.A., they haven't made the playoffs. But, you know, they swung big last offseason to get Donovan Mitchell, and it's worked out. You're going to be going to the playoffs, Cleveland. Then at five and six right now, the two New York teams, Brooklyn and uh, New York Knicks. Knicks at five, Brooklyn at six. Um, but the Knicks just holding on – or the Nets, excuse me – a half game up because uh, Miami has one more loss because they played one more game. So Miami just a half game out in this play-in side of things on the seventh seed. You have Atlanta and you have Toronto both at 38 and 38. Um, you know, two games back in Miami. And, you know, Atlanta and Toronto is very interesting how that plays out because of how the play-in works. If you're the eighth seed, you potentially just need to win one game, whereas if you're the nine, you're going to have to win two in order to make the playoffs there. Plus, if the 8-9 and nine should meet, that's home court advantage, any win or go home game, potentially. So that would be a fascinating battle to watch going down the stretch here. You have Chicago, game and a half out of that. Then you have two and a half games back, the Wizards, who, like I said earlier, they got a shocking win over the Celtics today. So their season's not quite over. You have Indiana and Orlando, who technically have an outside shot, but... Uh, if I'm being honest, I'd be surprised if either of them make it to the 10 seed where things stand today. Unless Chicago implodes down the stretch, which I guess is very much possible. On And again, like Charlotte, Detroit, I think I mentioned last time, both eliminate from playoff contentions there. The Western Conference side of things, Denver all a bit locked up with the one seed. They're only three games back right now, but again, it'll take an epic collapse down the stretch for Denver to not get the one seed there. Sacramento, uh, Memphis also clinched. Both those teams won the division. The surprise team of the NBA this year, the Sacramento Kings, they're three back of Memphis and at the time of the recording have yet to lock up a playoff spot. Um, they could be doing it very shortly, though, within the next few days. Keep an eye on that one. The Phoenix Suns, who just got Kevin Durant back, yeah, 
just announced earlier today he'll play tomorrow when they take the court. And Phoenix, they're not clinching a playoff spot yet, but they are there. And like I said, the West is interesting because Phoenix, uh, all the way down to the 11th seed Dallas, it's only three and a half games separates uh, those. So there could be a, very, a lot of shakeup in the Western Conference within the last six or seven games, depending on how, uh, what team, how many games they have left to play. Uh, but Phoenix is at four right now, a half game ahead of the L.A. Clippers. Again, that could be fascinating just because uh, that appears that that might be the first-round matchup. And if it is, you know, the four seed, obviously you get home field or home court in game seven. That could be very vital, especially if you, you know, you're Phoenix, you got Kevin Durant, so you're maybe not super worried about that. Uh, but if you're the Clippers and you have Kawhi playing, it's going to be crucial there. Uh, I know Paul George battling an injury, so we'll see. When he returns, if he does it all, uh, Memphis just a game back of the Clippers, so they have a chance to you know potentially get to that fifth C there. Uh, the Warriors identical records as the Timberwolves at thirty nine thirty seven. There, Warriors currently in the seventh spot, and at the time of the recording, they're trailing the New Orleans Pelicans, who are, New Orleans is a half a game back of Golden State. So if New Orleans holds on to win that game, they'll flip up to seven, maybe even jump Minnesota, depending on how the tiebreaker works. I'm not aware of that right now. But again, that's going to be just fascinating to see who can get, because that sixth spot obviously is key because you avoid the play-in. The Lakers right now, they're a game back of New Orleans. They're staying at nine, which if you're the Lakers with LeBron James, who he's injured. Like he says he saw a foot specialist as he quoted the LeBron James of feet that said, hey, I can play, despite having two doctors say, hey, you need season to serve. Which to me, if you get a second opinion and it's not what you want, I think it's dangerous if you're ignoring doctors and going to find a doctor that gives you what you want to hear. Um, but that's, uh, not, that's a conversation for another day. But we'll see how LeBron plays it if he re-injures that foot of his. Another surprise team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, You know they had a great start to the year. And they're currently in the play-in right now if the season was to end today. They're all half game back of the Lakers. And then identical records, but OKC has a tiebreaker right now uh, with the Dallas Mavericks, which if you remember a few months ago, we said, hey, they're getting Kyrie. Let's see how that goes. Like, I thought they'd be at least in the play-in. I thought maybe they could get to six because they were at four or five when they traded for Kyrie. And it's just gone downhill. And I, I just goes to, if you've, or a Kyrie hater like myself, uh, you got a lot of ammunition that, hey, the theory that, hey, Kyrie kills teams. And you have Luka Doncic saying, I'm not having fun anymore uh, the other day. And you dropped two games to a very bad Charlotte team uh, recently, Dallas. Like, that is abysmal. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, like Charlotte is not good. They're already eliminated from playoff condition. And they'd be a Dallas Mavericks team that's trying to make the playoffs. Like, if you're Cuban, you got to take a long, hard look. Like, you acquired... Kyrie Irving, and I get. I don't know if it's kid's fault. It could be very well be Jason Kidd's fault. He could get fired for that. Nico Harrison as well. Maybe you clean house if you're Cuban. That's a question that they're going to answer when the season ends because of how this imploded, and you can scapegoat Jason Kidd if you want. But, again, I think if you just look at history, it's Kyrie Irving's fault there. Uh, so, mini rant over on that part. Utah, there's an outside chance, game and a half back, about six or seven to go. So Utah could muddy something up and make it interesting, especially with how Laurie Markkinen's been playing this year, a team that people thought would tank. And then, like we mentioned earlier, Portland, not mathematically eliminated, but they're throwing in the towel. They're resting Dame Lillard. They're shutting him down for the year. So that is 
the NBA standings update, uh, as of March 28th, uh, again, one game pending final right now, New Orleans and Golden State. So that game's not taken into account. But still, we're going to be getting a very exciting final week and a half or so of the NBA season. I'm looking forward to that. The NBA playoffs, my favorite playoffs of the four major sports to watch for sure. Uh, so I'll throw it over to Dalton now. Again, I know it's been a couple weeks since we've done an episode. But feel free, Dalton, update us. How's the world racing going on? Yeah, thank you, Spence. Um, you know, it is – it's going good. It's going good. Let's let's go ahead and uh, take a look real quick um, and, you know, see what is up in the world of racing. I know it's been a couple of weeks. But no need to fear. The racing reporter is here. Uh, give me one minute. I'm never singing again. Because that was not a very good idea. Okay. All right. So, um, was it Spence, last time we recorded, was that spring break? It was two weeks ago. That was I'm not very good with math or dates for that matter, so you're gonna have to the help me out. Thank you, much obliged to the homie. All right, um, yeah. So we talked about Phoenix. Now let's talk about Atlanta. Atlanta, we got stock cars in Atlanta. Um, Joey Logano was able to win this race. Uh, and finish all 260 laps. He actually started uh, with the pole, number one, led 140 laps, uh, zero penalties, 59 points for his win. Uh, Brad Keselowski uh, finished in second. So the forward manufacturer with the one-two, Christopher Bell with number three, Corey LaJoyce, a name you never hear. Uh, I'll explain that later. Uh, in the seven car, Chevrolet finishing fourth. Um, and then after that, we've got to that we got Tyler Reddick in the 45 car finishing fifth, rounding out that top five. Other notables, my personal favorite, Kyle Bush finishing in tenth in the number eight Chevrolet. Um, and then, yeah, that's pretty much it from Atlanta. We move on to NASCAR Cup Series at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. I was fortunate enough to go to that race this past weekend. Yes, I got burnt, but it was totally worth it. Um, me and another work friend of mine were there at the first turn uh out of leave it's 19 or 20 turns big course big road course um very exciting stuff um i said that coyla joy had been pretty much in the back for the entirety of the race and was still able to finish top 15 so that's what i was talking about earlier but um, Tyler Reddick was able to come in first after, I believe it was two or three overtimes, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, which you get about four laps. And then if the leader 
Uh, once the white flag comes, the leader is pretty much going to win that race. Uh, Tyler Reddick led 41 laps in this race out of 75. So that just tells you that he was pretty much dominating. Uh, Kyle Busch finished second in the number eight Chevrolet. Alex Bowman in third in the 48. Ross Chastain in the one, who is actually last year's winner. Quick tidbit. William Byron uh, was second in in laps led with 28. So quite the drop-off, but that just shows you it was more like the Reddick and Byron show the entire day. Uh, And he was in the 24 Chevrolet. So if you're looking at the race results manufacturer-wise, top five alone, you've got one Toyota followed by four Chevrolets. Um, And which is quite interesting. I was talking to um, one of the guys before – we before we started watching the race and he told me he was like Chevrolet is probably going to win this today he wasn't far off you know he was wrong but he wasn't far off because four Chevrolets finished behind the leader so you know if Tyler Reddick would have wrecked the Chevrolet would have won that race um Austin Sendrick Spencer's boy can't finish in uh sixth in the Ford number two Ricky Stenhouse in number seven um, other notables, uh, Kevin Harvick, uh, in his last NASCAR season finished lucky number 13 and the four Ford. Yes, I know that was confusing. The number four and the manufacturer Ford, um, and Joey Logano. I thought that he was, he was going to have a pretty good chance of getting in there and winning, uh, and putting on a very, very good show. Uh, but that was not the case. Um, which that's no biggie. That's all good. Joey Logano is doing absolutely fantastic this year. And uh, congrats to him uh, for having such a great season. And I cannot wait for what he has for us next week. Moving on to the one that is April 2nd. Uh, it is this weekend at Richmond Raceway, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific, yada, yada, yada on FS1. Um, can't wait to watch it. Uh, as you probably could probably tell already, I'm a Kyle Busch fan, so I'm going to go for Kyle Busch to win that race. But who knows? I'm excited to see who comes out on top. Uh, moving on, we are going to go to the Formula One portion of the segment. If I can ever find it, there it is. And the schedule, perfect. Only had two races. So we had the Bahrain Grand Prix uh, and the early part of the month. Uh, followed by the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, in which Checo, also known as Sergio Perez, was able to win. We've got the Australian Grand Prix this weekend, April 2nd at 1 a.m. Eastern, midnight, Central. Um, Should be pretty fun. I think I'm excited to watch it if I'm ever up or if I'm at home. Not out having a good time with friends um yeah 
I don't know. I think this season's going to be pretty wide open, but Red Bull has got a lot, a lot of fans, and I think they have a really, really good shot at winning. Uh, naturally, everybody has a good shot, but I'm just talking about in general because Red Bull was able to win the Constructor Cup last year, and I think that they can do do it again this year. To be honest with you, they can they can definitely do it again. Um, they've got Max Verstappen, who's are you can make the argument he's the best he's the best racer right now in Formula One. He actually won the individual chip last year, um, and then Checo. Or Luis Perez uh, is a good teammate and honestly can hold his own. As we saw, he's already won a race this year. So that is all with the Formula One. Actually, if you don't mind me, uh, I almost see we take we take two weeks off and I forget to do the standings. So we're going to do that really quickly and then I'll. Hand it right back to you, Spency, and you can take over like you usually do. Um, I'm going to do Formula One, and then we will go back to NASCAR because I forgot to do that one, which is okay. Um, yeah, you know what? Like, it's just... It crazy like racing's already here it seems just like yesterday the season was over but that is okay all right perfect let's see those standings max verstappen is in first with 43 points um, Luis Perez, his teammate, is in second with, uh, excuse me, Max Verstappen is 44. Luis Perez, with, or uh, Sergio Perez with 43. Um, Alonzo with 30. Carlos Sainz with 20. Hamilton with 20. Russell with 18. And that is pretty much it. It drops off after that. To the constructors, no uh, shocker. Red Bull has 87 points after two races. Uh, 43 and 44, respectively. Aston Martin is the next constructor in number two with 38. So quite the drop off. Moving on, we are going to go back to uh, NASCAR. And I'm going to give you the standings of that one as well. Because we are, we are quite, quite the way through. William Byron is not leading the points. Um, but you know who is leading the points? Ross Chastain is leading the points right now with 211 points. Kyle Busch has got 192 points. Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick are tied for third with 186 points. And then we have... Christopher Bell um, in fifth place right now with 184 points. Um, terrific. Just terrific. Um, scrolling down, I'm just trying to see nothing else notable. Um, of course, Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champ, is doing part-time racing. 
Um, unfortunately, he was not able to finish the race from this past weekend. Um, I just was taking a look at the amount of wins, so which drivers have the most wins this season, and it is William Byron in the 24 Chevrolet. Despite him not having uh, that many points, he only has 97. Um, he do he, he does have two wins on the season. Uh, Kyle Busch has one win. Joey Logano has one. Tyler Reddick has one. And Ricky Stenhouse has one. Um, so, yeah, that is now, I believe, that is all, Spence. Back to you. All right. Thank you for that riveting information there, uh, Dalton. So that will about wrap us up for tonight's episode of Out of Bounds. As always, again, wherever you're listening to this podcast, be it Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, etc., you know, give us a follow or subscription, whatever you do on that podcast platform. Uh, feedback's always encouraged as well. Uh, feel free to share this podcast with friends and family if you so choose to. Help us grow this uh, product that we work very hard on to get out to you guys each and every week that we can get an episode to you guys. And as always, I am Spencer Brown. I'm Dalton Bishop. And I'm Christian Ernst. So again, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your